inflammation goes down. Your body makes more growth hormone. Growth hormone will help regulate hor other hormones like testosterone. Um, you start to make more of a neurotransmitter called GABA, which calms the brain. Um, I mean, the list, you repair neurons in your brain. So ketones will go up to the brain and they'll repair dendrites and neurons in the brain. So you get better mental clarity. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body and lifestyle. Hi friends, welcome to another episode of High Performance Health. I am so excited today to be talking all about the menopause. Um, I sit down with Dr. Mindy Peltz, who is a best-selling author, keynote speaker, nutrition and functional medicine expert, who has spent over two decades helping thousands of women successfully reclaim their health. She's a recognized leader in the alternative health field and a pioneer in the fasting movement, teaching the principles of a fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox, hormones, and more. Her popular YouTube channel combines the latest science with practical lifestyle tools every person can use to reset their health. And she's the host of one of the leading science podcasts, The Resetter Podcast, and author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. And I'm absolutely delighted to bring you this episode today. We talk about so many things that affect women, including how to burn energy from fat, how to sync fasting with your menstrual cycle, why long fasting windows aren't necessarily best for women at the end of her, of the month when her body's busy trying to make progesterone, how to make your cells more insulin sensitive and manage estrogen, and also Dr. Mindy's 511 variation method to bring your cycle back. Dr. Mindy has actually brought people, including herself, back from menopause into cycling and ovulating again, even women at the age of 57. She's incredible. Her knowledge is second to none. And I think you're going to get so much helpful information from this podcast episode. As always, you can find the show notes over on my website, angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcast. So don't feel you need to make notes. The transcript will be there as well. You can listen along with transcript. You can even click on to watch the YouTube video of the interview. But now, without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Mindy. So I'm here today. I'm joined by Dr. Mindy um, Peltz, who is a women's fasting expert. She's a three times best-selling author, and she specializes in fasting for women over 40. She's also a hormone expert. Um, as I was saying when we were chatting, Mindy, I was just like finishing reading your book, which is absolutely brilliant. And I'm so excited. I have a ton of questions. So first of all, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, anytime I can talk about the, the 40 plus journey, I'm pretty excited to talk about it. More women need to hear this information. Don't they? And I feel like women just need so much support because we were chatting back then about how in my 20s, everything just seemed relatively straightforward. And then I feel like you're on yeah. this constant journey where you have kids and then you're like, prenatal, then you're during pregnancy, then you're postnatal, and you just feel like you're getting your life back on track by your late 30s. And then you hit 40, and it all starts to change all over so again. Well said. 
It's so well said. It's so well said. Yes, exactly. It's just a roller coaster. And I feel like menopause actually should be a really beautiful time in a woman's life because by then her children are kind of mostly grown up. Maybe she's got teenagers, but or they're mostly grown up. And this is a real time, right, where she can focus on herself, but not if she's having a hard time. And I know that you're here today to really, really help the listeners get a grasp on menopause and what it is. And also, I'm really excited to talk about fasting. So let's start with, I know in the book you share your own journey and actually you were having a quite a hard time of it originally and you totally turned it around. Yeah. Why don't we start there? Do you want to explain a little bit yeah. for the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I resonate with everything you're saying. The um, When I hit 40, I had one goal and that was to fit into my favorite pair of skinny jeans. And I had a number on the scale that I, I wanted to be at and I would walk around at the end of my 30s and say, I just want to slide into 40 in the best shape of my life. And so everything was about working out a lot, um, you know, restricting calories, um, you know, eating, trying to like I was paleo at the time. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should give up breads and things like that. And so I I did it. I hit 40. I felt amazing. And by 43, I felt horrible and I didn't change anything in my lifestyle. Um, I started waking up at night. I was having massive, the worst, one of the worst things I had was just night sweats and hot flashes where I had to get up and change my clothes two, three times a night. Um, I had to get my husband out of bed and change the sheets and I couldn't sleep uh, at all. Um, And then that followed up with depression, anxiety, um, the the anxiety in my brain was so bad that I literally had like suicidal thoughts. I was like, I can't live in this brain anymore. This is too much. And yet, if you had seen my life, you would have been like, you have two amazing kids, an amazing husband, an amazing practice. Like there was nothing for me to feel anxious or depressed about. So I ended up going to a, a good friend of mine. It was actually, uh, I tell the story in the book that I was at a science fair and next to me was another mom who was an OB. And I don't normally talk shop at those places. You know, you have your mommy hat on and I turned to her and I just said, I am so sorry. I just need to ask you what the heck is going on with me. And her response to me, she t- stopped looking at the science project. She turned it to me and she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with those symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. And that like hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, okay, A, uh, every woman has experienced this and B, there's not a medical solution for it. And so it sent me on a journey to figure out what is happening to a woman in her forties, what is happening to my hormones. And I really came up with five different pieces to my lifestyle that had to change. And it took me several years to put these pieces together. But as you and I were talking, you know, I thought I was going into menopause at 47. I was like, okay, here I go. And now at 51, um, I'm like, you know, I was roughly going into menopause at 47. At 51, I feel like I'm more gently going into menopause, more appropriate, like kind of like my mom's experience was very, my mom had a very easy menopausal experience. So it's how it should be, right? And for people that are listening, I can testify to this, like looking at you, you look really young, your your skin looks vibrant and healthy. It's completely clear complexion, like you look incredible um, as well, which is testament to what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like I woke up this morning as a perfect example, because I've been now my new thing is I'm really working on my sleep. And I woke up and I was like, 
ah, I feel good this morning. Like I'm waking up energized. Um, at 45, I used to have a crash at 3 p.m. Now, I, I mean, you should see what my calendar looks like all day long. And I'm just as energized at the end of the day as I am in the morning. Um, my workouts are back on track. I don't worry about my weight. The night, the hot flashes have gone away. Depression and anxiety will come in small waves, but then I have these lifestyle tools I can use. So what was chaotic for me at the end of my 40s feels really smooth and beautiful now in my early 50s. So I'm such a fan of lifestyle fixes for menopause. I'm such a fan of lifestyle fixes full stop, I think, right? I think yeah, right, for everything. A, for everything. Yeah. And I think you make the point at the end of the book as well, which I love because I'm massively into biohacking. But I think people think they sort of see all these sexy biohacking toys and things and they're like, yeah, I want that, I want this. But actually, if you haven't got the fundamentals right, none yeah. of that stuff's going to work. So let's go yeah. through the five principles. Should yeah. we start there? Yeah, and to that point, I, I love this thought because – there's no, there's no magic mushroom is what I call it. There's no magic anything. Mm -hmm. There is a lifestyle that has to shift. And here's what I realized before I go into the five is we have to honor that our ovaries are starting to back away at 40. And they're like, okay, you have, I, I, I teased with my staff the other day. I'm like, I feel like there may be a few eggs left in there and they're looking around and they're like, hey, where'd everybody go? Like, there's nobody left in here anymore. <laughs> and I feel like that's what happened in 40 is that my, as my ovaries started to wind down, those, we do know that the, the function of the sex hormones is primarily controlled by the ovaries. So you, your body has to hand that job over to another set of organs and it hands it over to the adrenal glands. So if you're already stressed out, your hormonal ride in your 40s is going to be brutal. So that's one of the five for sure is that we've got to manage stress. Um, but I'll, I'll go in the order that I did it, which really worked, which is step number one is we have to stop eating all day. So this is really um, a huge paradigm shift for women. Um, we can operate from two energy systems. One where we're burning energy from the food we eat and one where we're burning energy from fat. And when you hear that, I think most women would say like, yeah, I want to burn energy from fat. Like sign me up for that. <laughs> Hand up, but you, yeah, you cannot get to that energy system, the fat burning energy system without fasting. So you've got to get that blood sugar down to a really good place where it signals to your body to go burn energy from fat. And we call that the ketogenic energy system. And when you are operating from that energy system, when your body starts to make ketones, you all these healing switches get turned on. So uh, inflammation goes down. Your body makes more growth hormone. Growth hormone will help regulate hor other hormones like testosterone. Um, you start to make more of a neurotransmitter called GABA, which calms the brain. Um, I mean, the list, you repair neurons in your brain. So ketones will go up to the brain and they'll repair dendrites and neurons in the brain. So you get better mental clarity. So step number one is really to dabble in playing with fasting and intermittent fasting is a great first step in. If you are looking to really upgrade your performance and help lower cortisol, enhance the health of your gut, and really just improve your overall energy levels, then definitely check out Magnesium Breakthrough by Buy Optimizers. It is my favorite magnesium product. It has seven forms of magnesium to upgrade virtually every function of your body. They also over at Buy Optimizers do mass which is 
brilliant digestive enzyme support. And if you're in the US, they've recently released a blood sugar support product, which will soon be coming to the UK. So when we're looking, talking there about perimenopausal women and the challenges that we have in terms of managing cortisol and digestion and energy levels, these products are going to be game changers for you. And they're ones that I absolutely love to take. And you can get a special 10% off by going to buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela and just entering code Angela10 at checkout. That's all lowercase Angela10 at checkout. So head over to www.buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela to get 10% off anything in their range. And as I say, I think the magnesium is a fantastic product as are many of their probiotics, their digestive enzyme support, and also their blood sugar control. And why is it then? Because I guess, well, there's there's one thing I've observed that I think is really interesting is people keep eating all day long and then they'll eat right up until kind of going to bed and then they might eat when they wake up in the morning. But if you observe children, like I look at my own kids, they don't eat for very long periods of time. So where did we get this idea we need to eat? You know, they'll have their dinner at 6.30 or 7. And particularly now, like my boys are 12 and 13, there's no hope of getting them out of bed anytime earlier on the weekend, right? So they've already done like a 15-hour fast, no problem. And they're completely lean. And I realize testosterone is having a bit of an impact as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nevertheless, they are inadvertently like doing intermittent fasting. And then, but then I see the other extreme, right, where people are kind of showing on Instagram, like, look how many hours I've done. And I think that can have the opposite effect on it with so women. True. You know, there's yep. a really delicate balance. And one of the things I love in the book is the way that you split it up in terms of fasting. Like these are the days of your cycle that actually you can push a longer fast. And these are the days where, no, you need to be focusing on maybe shortening that window um, in terms of the fasting window and having a bigger eating window. Can yeah. you dive into, because while, while we're on this point, we might as well dive into fasting. Yeah. Yeah. No, works. there's a lot. Yeah. There's so much to unpack there. Um, for starters, I, you know, I had the same aha with my kids and I have an 18 year old son and a 21 year old daughter. And finally, one day after I was chasing my son around, this is just about the time I was learning about fasting as I was like chasing him around to make him eat breakfast. I realized that that wasn't his natural circadian rhythm. That wasn't what he didn't want breakfast. So we sat down and we said, okay, when do you feel like you're hungry? And he said, oh, at the at the mid-morning break. I'm like, great, let's just make sure you have good food then. So it's freeing as a parent when you stop pushing food on your kids and realize that they have their own eating window and their own fasting window. Now, the younger your child is, the more you have to be, you know, they can go into that point where of no return, uh, where they didn't get food quick enough. But I think it's all humans have to understand that we're meant to have a time period where we eat and a time period where we fast. So... Mm. Um, with the 40 plus year old woman, I think the biggest thing that I want women to understand is over 40, our progesterone levels are going down. And if you still have a cycle, regardless of how long that cycle is, let's say your cycle's every 90 days, maybe it's every two weeks. I mean, as you go through perimenopause, (laughs) it could do a lot of crazy things. Um, that when you're trying to make progesterone, you do not want to be fasting. And it, it, progesterone does not do well with any kind of stress. So fasting is what we call a hormetic stress, where it puts enough stress on, this, on the body that the body repairs itself. So it's great on other parts of a woman's cycle, like from the day she bleeds, starts bleeding all the way until the day before her cycle starts or the week before her cycle. 
Like you can do really well with fasting, but once your body's trying to make progesterone, you need to not fast. And you, you know, you can get away with maybe like a 12 or 13 hour fast, but you definitely don't want to be going into these longer fasts and you want to lean into certain foods. So foods like squashes, beans, potatoes, uh, tropical fruits, citrus fruits, there are foods that will help you build progesterone. And the woman over 40 is fighting for that progesterone. Mm. Like particularly if, if she's stressed, right? Cause the yeah. are not picking it up. Yeah. So this is days 15 to 21. This is where we need to be. Uh, it would be like on a typical cycle, it's day 21 to, till you bleed. So 28. Oh, 21 till you bleed. You need to be yeah. focusing on not doing the extended fast. That's right. Yes. That's the most yeah. simple way to look at it. That's the, yeah. the most important time. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. But then at other times of the month, you're quite in favor of longer fast. Oh, would you yeah. say even if the woman's very athletic? Because I know I was chatting to Dr. Stacey Sims and because she deals with obviously like menopause for athletes, she's very much an advocate of actually a 12-hour fast is enough and you're getting all of the autophagy benefits from the exercise. So would you split people into camps here depending on their level of activity? Yeah, I think it always depends on what you're trying to do. So, you know, the thing, the first thing that an, uh, a menopausal woman, and, I, and when I say menopausal woman, I mean really anybody over 40, because that's how those ovaries are starting to make that decline. I really feel like we need to be sensitive to the fact that we become more insulin resistant. So as estrogen in our 40s is doing an up and down, you know, kind of one day we have a ton of it, some days we have none of it. Um, we become ins more prone to insulin resistance. So now exercise is great to get us out of insulin resistance. So I'm a fan of you can do, you can do longer fast, you can do extreme exercise from day one till that day 21. But then day 21, I don't think you should, I think you should be doing yoga. I think you should be doing hiking. Um, you got to mind your progesterone there. Otherwise, the menopausal ride is going to be crazy. crazy. So that, so I like when we think about managing estrogen, I think of, okay, how can I make my cells more insulin sensitive? And the way to make your cells more insulin sensitive is yes, through exercise and yes, through fasting. So I would say it, if you're a woman that's in great shape, you're not trying to lose weight. Her, uh, Stacey Sims' I, approach may be fine, but we're, you know, the people I see in my resetter group, they're, they've got a significant weight to lose. And in that mm -hmm. case, we really want to do some deeper fasting because that will unstick weight very, very eloquently and quickly. Yeah. And detoxify their body as well yeah. at the same time, right? That's the thing yeah. because they're exactly. hanging on to all these toxins. Yeah. Um, Okay. And when um, the other thing that's, that's quite interesting when I look at your nutritional plan is that because, because you're trying to improve, I'm guessing the insulin sensitivity and keep glucose um, kind of manageable and it not fluctuating, you're quite an advocate of keeping protein at a slightly lower level as well. Because again, this is something where I guess whenever I've wanted myself or with clients to change their body composition, one of the easiest way to trigger that muscle protein synthesis is actually to push protein higher. Um, but obviously it can like play in terms of insulin. Can you just describe a little bit more detail on that? Yeah. I, yeah. So I'm a fan of variation. So I actually think we should have days where we go under 20 grams 
um, because if we go under 20 grams of protein, then we keep that autophagy state going. And we can talk a little bit about what that is. And then I also am a fan of protein loading. Like there's some incredible science showing that if we eat 20 grams of protein every two hours that we stimulate something called mTOR and it helps to build muscle. So I'm a fan of variation. The challenge that we have is that we're eating too many carbs, too, many pro too much protein. And what I see is that when people decide, oh, carbs are the evil, then and I don't want to do carbs. What they do is they max out. They're just eating protein all the time. And then mm. they struggle to lose weight. Really, the benefit is to have low protein, high protein days and mix them up. And that's what I really explain in the book I've talked about on YouTube is that there's a good in all of this. So low protein's great. High protein's great. A vegan diet's great. A carnivore diet's great. But we just need to use, figure out how to use them at certain times of our week or our month. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what about for women? Because commonly at this point, the women are, many women are, um, they've got the coil inserted, for example. So they actually yeah. may not be bleeding. Um, some of them are then put on the, the contraceptive pill, even though it has nothing to do with contraception. I think something like 60% of prescriptions Crazy. for the birth control pill are nothing to do with contraception. Really? That high? Um, wow. Yeah, something like that I was reading, which just seems extraordinarily high. Um and so for women there, they, they don't really know what's going on with their cycle. How yeah. can they begin to optimize this? Yeah, I feel like then what you do is you start with what we call a 5-1-1 variation, where five days a week, you intermittent fast, and then you can decide what food you want to do. I list some different styles of eating that I like in the book. So, you, But you're going to intermittent fast 13 to 15 hours. One day a week, you want to push your fast. You want to push it to 17, 24, and there's benefits to doing that. Um, but one day you want to just kind of push that fasting muscle. And then one day a week, you don't want to fast. So just you want to eat, you want to eat breakfast, and uh, you want to lean into the hormone building foods I talked about. And I, found, I find that that 511 works really well if you don't have a cycle. And sometimes it brings your cycle back. Now, um, the, and even with a coil in or somebody who's got, uh, you know, like I told you with me, I was going into menopause and then with this changes to my lifestyle, I came out of menopause and now I feel like I'm just slowly winding down. So um, that, that seems to be the easiest approach in. Now, what we did do, because we had so many people ask us this question, um, is I came up with what I call a fasting circle, which is for women who have a cycle and women who don't can use it, where there is like a formula to follow in a 30-day period. And that's coming out in an, a book that will come out next year. It's actually already written. It's at the editor's. And it's going to be for women of all ages, just specifically to learn how to fast. And a big part of that is, well, what do we do if we don't have a cycle? Okay. So it's like how to learn to fast around your menstrual cycle, but then also yeah. if you don't have one, what to do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but the but easiest, for the sake of this conversation, the easiest, Doran, if, if you're listening to this and you are using a birth control mechanism that is got your cycle all mixed up, uh, try that 511. That's mm -hmm. a really good entry in. And does that, so you found that actually helps regulate their hormones back again? Because I know yeah. like when it's all disruptive, women are finding it really difficult, aren't they? Like they're getting breakouts that they don't want. They're getting really heavy bleeding. That's then contributing to like lower iron levels. And it's all just really all over the place. Um, but that's a, 
Have you frozen? Yeah, I feel. I, fr- I, I, I it, yeah, I have. I also have kids downstairs doing school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, because it's 2021, so I have uh, two teenage boys down there doing school. So that my internet is a little. They're taking interesting. the internet as well. Yeah, so, so that can actually bring back some form of regularity to their cycle. Yes, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and uh, trying, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, there's so many, everybody's reason to not have a cycle is different, right? So some women are just naturally going into to menopause. Some women have an IUD. Some women um, have PCOS. So what we're trying to do for the simplicity's sake on my YouTube channel is address all of that until the next book comes out. But I found the five principles in the menopause reset have helped so many women bring their cycle back. Yeah. And and to the, you know, the other thing I would say, and this is, you know, it's a personal issue for each woman, but if you've gotten to the point where you've had kids, you have a birth control, like an IUD or on the pill, um, you know, when I'm doing consults with people, I'm like, could we get you off of that and get hubby to, to make a final decision, you know, around you guys aren't having babies anymore, because really, there's no good birth control for women, it messes our hormones up. And we mm-hmm. really the sooner we can get off that, those birth con- forms of birth control, the better our hormones will balance out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it impacts um, gut health as well, doesn't it? Which oh, I want yeah. to come on to with you. Yeah. Has, yeah. So we, so principle one is stop eating all of the time um, yeah. And, and, yeah. and start fasting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I know that sounds like, you know, people are probably like, okay, well, I'm going to turn this podcast off now. I don't want to stop <laughs> eating all the time. Um, but in the, in the, in the book, I give like steps to doing that. So I like introduce the principle. I talk about the different fasts and then I give steps to doing it so that you can slowly work yourself into that. But yes, that's principle yeah. number one. I think a lot of listeners actually are doing it because uh, it being kind of health for high performance, they are doing it and they notice like the mental cognition benefits that they get as well, which are just incredible, aren't they? Insane. So Yeah, um, insane. And what are your thoughts as well in terms of substituting like during that fasting period in the morning, having something like bulletproof coffee? Do yeah. you feel like that's breaking it? No, I get asked this question a lot. I feel like um, it really depends on what you're trying to do. So um, if you're trying to just get yourself into this fat burner energy source, you're trying to get make some ketones, Bulletproof can actually help you. It, you know, that if, especially if you put some MCT oil in there, it can actually get you to the fat burning state quicker. I really like that as a tool if you're just trying to make ketones. If you're trying to stimulate autophagy, Coffee will help us with autophagy, but not cream. Um, so you got you would ditch the cream. You could put MCT oil in it um, in just a black coffee. Not as lovely to taste, but that would help you. Um, so I, I, I would say the goal is to learn how to build a fasting lifestyle and be able to use these principles on an ongoing basis. So if your morning cup of coffee is your ritual um, I and you are wanting to um, short, you know, shorten your, your eating window and lengthen your fasting win- window, then go for it. Use that bulletproof coffee. Use it. Okay. Yeah. And what's the next thing then that you like people to get right? Yeah. Once so the next thing, that. yeah, the next thing is really to vary your foods. So kind of what we were talking about earlier, um, I, you know, the ketogenic diet got a lot of bad rap for women came out and everybody started losing weight on the ketogenic diet. And then all of a sudden you saw this press that saying the ketogenic diet was bad for women. 
And it's the same concept. It's bad for women the week before she has her, her, her cycle. And so, yes, women can really thrive with the ketogenic diet. And then we need to step out of it. So the week before. So I call it keto variations. Um, I'm a big fan of keeping your carb load low for most of the time with the exception of that week before. I really think it helps you may become more insulin sensitive and it helps you balance estrogen a little bit better. Um, but I also don't think some of those keto, um, keto plans are too low carbohydrate. So people don't eat enough vegetables. So that's why I call my second step like keto variations. I like it. Ketobiotic is what I call mine, mm. where you're pretty much eating meat and vegetables. Like that's how I meat and kind of fibrous vegetables rather fibrous, than starchy. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that like in the book, in- ketobiotic. I think that works really well because yeah. Yeah, you're kind of feeding your microbiome and it's not, you've got a list of really healthy fats as well to include. So it's not dirty keto because I've seen in some extreme cases where people have, in a few cases where people have kind of gone on a very traditional ketogenic diet, they haven't had lots of plant-based foods. And then actually that's actually swung them into into early menopause. And when they shift their diet, they come back out, which is, yeah, I think it's so, so important. There's so, I can't tell you the number of women I've pulled out of menopause and uh, it's like, it's crazy. I, they all like 57 year old women will like send me a message and be like, oh my God, all of a sudden I start bleeding again. And my response is that's awesome because there was, you know, there's probably another egg in there, something that needed to like clean up. So, and, and the ketogenic diet can do that, but we're not meant to be in these low carb states um, for very long. And we're not meant to avoid these incredible foods that feed the bacteria. Mm, which is so important. I want to come on to those in a minute because some people, so a lot of complaints that women we get, and I think this is down to what you've already described, the um, the kind of insulin resistance that's occurring alongside the baseline inflammation that's going up, but they suddenly get this menopot, right? It's like, hey, where did this extra two, three kilos come from? And why is it going on around my stomach? <laughs> which is yeah, annoying, yeah. right? Because then you can't get yeah. into those skinny jeans. No, um, I used, and <laughs> I used to call it, I used to call it my wine bar. I was like, I think wine there's bar. like a wine bar hanging out before I figured out fasting and keto. I was like, there's just a wine bar hanging there. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? It can feel like that. Interesting. You know, when you talk about wine though, if I, I was wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor and wine does not really increase my blood sugar. I was expecting it to, it does like a small glass of red wine doesn't really have much caffeine does increase it for me. Um, a little bit, but I think that's just the, it raises cortisol, doesn't it? So it's coming in through that pathway. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I noticed, I noticed that with wine as well, that uh, when I have had a continuous uh, glucose monitor on that, it brought my uh, blood sugar down. And I, and I was like, oh, well, that means I must be, should drink it more. (laughs) But but luckily I checked myself and said, no, we won't be. That's a whole, that's a whole nother, your liver still needs to break down estrogen. So we have to support the liver. Yeah. Which is really important. So in terms of these foods as well, can you just explain for people, because not many people have necessarily heard of this, the estrobolome, um, and why we need to enhance that, not just our microbiome, because this is really important, isn't it? For detoxifying any kind of excess estrogen. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's that was another part of my discovery was that, okay, so I started fasting more and then I started doing variations of the ketogenic diet. And then I started to take each one of these sex hormones and really dive down into the research on each one, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone being the, the main three I looked at. And what I discovered is that we have a whole set of bacteria in our gut that break estrogen down. So, and it's called the estrobilome and it's the hardest part for, the, for us to really grab a hold of is that, or that I find women have trouble grabbing a hold of is just because you make a hormone doesn't mean you're going to use that hormone. So there mm. are two sides of the equation. We've got to become insulin sensitive so that we can make estrogen. That will really, really help. But we also have to have a healthy liver and we have to have this healthy uh, bacteria in our gut so we can break estrogen down so that estrogen can get into the cells. So I became obsessed with fermented foods and, and then with like, I don't know if you do stool tests, but, you know, testing, like there are yeah. certain stool tests that will tell you if you have these key bacteria that break estrogen down. But, it, you know, you could go on HRT, you could go on bioidenticals and it, and if you don't have those key bacteria to break down that estrogen, you're, you, there's no benefit of those medications. So that was the third thing was let's all support this part of our microbiome and we can do it through ferment, fermented foods is probably one of the best things we could eat. And if you don't, I, if you don't like it, eat it anyways, because it's really going to help with breaking down Just that suck estrogen. It <laughs> suck it up. What do you like? What do you want? Hot flashes or a cup of sauerkraut? <laughs> well, exactly. And I think sometimes that's just, you've just got to do it, right? Um, yeah. you, you were talking when we spoke earlier about how you started off with these incredible hot flashes where you were kind of almost soaking your sheets with it. And it was just crazy. What do you credit? Is, is there any one of these points that you think makes the biggest mover on that? Because you've done this just for people listening as well, without any kind of supplementation yeah. in terms of hormones or anything like that, right? This is all natural diet and yep. lifestyle approach. Yep. Um, yeah. Was Is there one thing that you think contributes the most to the hot flashes? Well, hot flashes is estrogen out of control. So it's up, down, up, down, and you need progesterone and we're not getting, you need progesterone kind of babysits estrogen to make sure it doesn't get out of control. So you really need both of those. Um, that's a tough one. I, I really feel like the all five are super important. Um, I, I put them in the order that I put them in. I felt like we're the easiest to do. Um, so fasting, I think intermittent fasting, if you're listening to this, Intermittent fasting is really the easiest. It doesn't take time, doesn't take money. Um, you just need to train your body to intermittent fast. So um, that's a tough one. I don't know if I have one in particular. I do know of the five, the one that affects my sleep the most and, and probably the hot flashes the most is, the, is detoxing and really making sure that you're pulling toxins out of your body. Um, the part of the brain that is not protected is unfortunately the part of the brain that controls hormones. So we have a hypothalamus pituitary that controls all hormones and there's no blood brain barrier there. So if we are having ingesting toxins, if we're uh, perfumes that we're smelling in toxins, um, if we're using toxic chemicals in our cleaners, all of that is going up into the brain and will change your hormones dramatically. So changing out your toxic, toxic load can have a big impact. Learning how to detox is huge. 
Um, but there's a steeper learning curve for that. But I feel mm-hmm. like detoxing ha- like has the biggest impact on your hormones. There's just the learning curve for that is, is pretty steep. Yeah. And so kind of on that, on some basics for detoxing, um, for people that aren't necessarily going to have infrared saunas in their home, for example, what's, yeah. what's the best way for them to get started on? Because it's not so much as going through a detox, is it? It's, it's actually ensuring that your body is detoxifying regularly on a regular yep. basis. And that's so yeah. important. And I see this when I look at people's genetics, you know, often they'll be missing a couple of snips and even having things like additional cruciferous vegetables can just help with those pathways. Yep. Um, what would you say on that for someone that's thinking, actually, I probably do need to detoxify better. I mean, liver function is important as well. Key here. Mass- right? Yeah, massively important. Um, well, the first rule to detox is stop toxifying yourself. Yeah. So that would be, and this is for women is really, really hard. Um, I was blessed to grow up with kind of a health nut mom who had already like talked about chemicals my whole life. Um, so I didn't really have to avoid a lot of the toxins coming in. I just had to get rid of the ones that were already in my body. So um, there's, you know, there's apps you can use, but look at your beauty products, look at your cleaning products. Um, anything going on your skin, it needs to be 100% natural. Uh, ask yourself, would you eat what you're putting on your skin? If you wouldn't eat what you're putting on your skin because it's full of chemicals, then don't put it on your skin. It's still going in your body. It gets absorbed through the body or through the skin. So the skin is the biggest exit point and then it's the biggest entrance point for toxins. Mm-hmm. So the first thing would just look at where you might be getting toxins. The second thing is, and this is why I like fasting, is you can stimulate autophagy. And again, to Stacey Sims' point, you can stimulate autophagy through fasting. You can stimulate it through HIIT training. You can stimulate it through sleep. You can stimulate it through um, exercise. So this concept of autophagy is a menopausal woman's dream because autophagy is where the cells are, are de- naturally detoxing themselves. So I, I, th- I think I've done some videos on YouTube that show all the different types of it, ways to stimulate autophagy, um, and most of them are free. So mm-hmm. once you stop putting those toxins in, then you're, you're um, using the, tr- the principles of autophagy to really detox yourself. I love your idea of using food like cruciferous vegetables to increase your glutathione levels so that your liver can detoxify more. Then things like castor oil packs, coffee enemas, um, those are all forms of detox that are incredible to support the liver. And if you've done all of that and you're still feeling like the toxic load is high, that's where we take people through like supplementation and how to actually use supplements to properly pull all that those toxins out. Yeah, because I think you were saying in the book actually that um, around the menopausal years is when like lead starts coming out of the body. Yeah. It's almost like the change in hormones starts the sort of release of these toxins into the body, which for a long time are stored in body fat or in the bone, right? You don't want them in your bones. Yeah, lead is a great example. Um, Lead gets stored in the bones, lead gets passed down through. So when we're in the womb, we don't again have a blood brain barrier at all in the womb. And um, those big hormonal shifts that mom went through caused her toxic load to be dumped into our body. And then that gets stored in our tissues, lead gets stored in the bones. And then at times of big hormonal switches for us, those toxins will come out. So these are, this is puberty, pregnancy, and menopause. 
And so we see like a lot of women get thyroid problems after they've been pregnant because those t- that toxic dump came out. Um, and then at, men- at perimenopause, we see the insomnia, the anxiety, the depression, sometimes chronic pain as those tox, as lead gets dumped out of those bones and it goes into the bloodstream and it can go up into the brain. It can cause irrita- neuropathies like irritation of nerves. Um, it can go to fat. It could get stored as fat. So to your belly fat comment, it can all of a sudden you're storing fat for no reason because the hormonal shift is causing stored toxins to get dumped. And now your body has to deal with that. Mm, Yeah. So the detoxification is key. Um, and I mean, it's difficult with water, isn't it? I find that the most difficult thing because you think, well, I mustn't drink from a plastic bottle, but then I uh, look at a glass bottle. Oh, actually there's plastics in that. So then I'll drink from the tap and then you need to purify it, but there's plastics in that. And then I'll eat some oily fish, but now actually there's plastics in that too. It's actually a real battle in modern society to stay away, right? We're, we're fighting it. We are fighting a battle on a daily basis. We are fighting a battle on a daily basis. And I have uh, chatted with many experts um, who feel like if we don't make a change in our toxic load, that our species will perish. And um, I really do, uh, at first when I heard that, that the human race was on this path to destruction, I thought, well, that's kind of alarmist. I don't know if I buy that. But now I'm starting to really see it because, and we see it in the infertility rates. That's a toxic issue. We're seeing it in the number of women that are struggling through menopause. That's a toxic issue. We're seeing it in 2020. And why is the whole world so immune compromised? That's a toxic issue. And if we don't care about our environment, if we don't stop voting with our dollars and making sure that we are not supporting plastic bottles of water and uh, chemicals in our food. We have to really make a concerted effort right now to support companies that are looking at a better environment, a toxic-free environment. That has to be a priority or as a species, we're in, we're in a really tough place. I think so. I agree with you. Do you know, I was in my local fishmongers, uh, I go there a a couple of times a week, but they were telling me about how they'd gone, um, one of the the members of their team had gone out to Indonesia to look at prawns, like big tiger prawns that were farmed. And some of them are not done in a sustainable way at all. They'd found these farms where basically they were basically, um, they were miles and miles away from sea inland, and they would just dig these big holes chuck them in with a whole load of chemicals so that they're not going to poison you because it's so dirty in there and just feed them dry. And then these get shipped off back to the UK frozen as these huge, massive tiger prawns. You can't tell the difference from looking at them. And I think this is half the problem is, and they go into the supermarkets, even really like, you know, we have a range of supermarkets as you probably do over here in terms of budget. And even in the top ones, you'll go in and they'll be there. And until I spoke to them, like, I had no idea that that's how you could get some prawns. And I think there just needs to be more conversation around it, more people yeah. understanding where their food comes from. Yeah. Because who knows what you were taking on board if you ate that, right? Yeah. So it's so true. It's uh, and organic isn't necessarily like the go-to phrase anymore. So a couple of things we've done, and, and I think you guys could probably do this over in the UK as well. Um, we started shopping more at like our local farmers markets mm-hmm. and we're like getting to know the farmers. 
and asking them, what, do they test their soils? What, do they, what's the mineral balance of their soils? What chemicals are in it? Um, we also know the people we're getting our meat from. So really get to know your farmer and find out what their pr practices are and go back to that local little guy. That's the one who has your health in, in mind. Um, here in America, we at Whole Foods was our go-to place and then Amazon bought it. And now we are like shopping at Amazon or at Whole Foods less and less because the bigger the corporation that, that supplies your food, typically the more chemicals that are in it. So, yeah, and then there's a exactly great- what we've been doing actually. Same thing. And just going yeah. to, yeah, local butchers, farmers markets, local fishmongers, local bakeries, you yeah. know, where like my bakery has their yeah. sourdough starters been going nearly a hundred years. Oh, you know, it's like, amazing. And you can imagine how that feeds your gut and just, yeah, it's amazing. But I think more and more people have done it with lockdown actually, because they've tried to stay local. So hopefully that will continue. Yeah, I hope so too. But that really, really going back to local, get to know your butcher, get to know your baker, get to know your farmer and understand where this food is coming from, that's that's key. It's fundamental. Um, yeah. And what about exercise? Can we talk quickly about exercise? Uh, what yeah, do you recommend? So, in so terms it's fun. Of yeah, it's so it's funny because you'll notice one of the five steps really was an exercise, although mm. I put it in the fifth step, um, which was the rushing woman syndrome, a credit to Libby Weaver, that book changed my life. Um, and it was to stop being that, you know, rushing woman who is doing everything, you know, superwoman who's the mom working, you know, all, working out all the time, like that type A personality, which is what I was, um, really causes damage in the menopause years. And so I completely switched my workouts. So the long um, running, the intensity uh, uh, of your workout, when the more you push your body, the longer you push it, the more you damage your hormones. So exercise variation, a good combination of some HIIT training. You can still go, if you like to do long runs, do it once a week, but then throw in some yoga, throw in some hikes. Like we need to really work on strength training instead of doing the cardio so much. Could you do more of the muscle building? Mm. Those, it, there needs to be a shift in exercise over 40 as well. Definitely. That's actually what I tell my clients is create some polarity, right? Don't do this like middle ground where you're just going for a long run, which is ramping up cortisol, ramping up inflammation, but yep. it's not actually making any kind of meaningful difference in terms of actually progressing your cardiovascular health. You're kind of just maintaining. Whereas right. if you're doing like very high intensity or you're doing resistance training, or you're going for a long walk or doing some yoga, now you're getting a really good mix and balance and you're not falling into this sort of black hole that's in the middle. That's right. Yeah. Like, so the 40 year old version of me would, was running hours, you know, ton, miles and hours every week. The 51 year old version of me doesn't do longer than a 30 minute run. Um, uh, and I do yoga a couple of times and I, I love to go hike. So I'm very, I might, it's called, it's like when I approach my workouts, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got to mind my cortisol. So I am really careful to not push myself so hard that my cortisol levels go really high. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And so just to kind of before, because I, the rushing women's syndrome is such an important concept. You and I are both type A personalities. I find it the hardest thing to do to just so step back. I always take on stuff, right? And people yeah. say to me, you know, like other moms, I don't know how you do it. Like, how do you do it with three kids? How do you do this? And, but I'm, I'm really working on my routines on my morning in particular, because I think it's the time I have the most control. And that yep. really is my time. And I've just become addicted to that now. If I, 
kind of, you know, I try to go to bed early so that I'm not tired. But if I miss that and the whole house is going before I've had my time, I feel like I miss out. Yes. Um, however, I'm super keen to hear what does a day in the life of Dr. Mindy look like? Because you have <laughs> such a busy practice. You produce a phenomenal amount of content. How do you do this without overstressing your body and disrupting your hormones? <laughs> it's like you found the secret. Well, Please yeah, share. I, I, well, <laughs> I may have, but I've been practicing it. So, you know, the, the first thing I do is I really guard my sleep. So I'm the first one in my house to sleep. And everybody knows, like, mom's out at like nine o'clock. So... Um, I go to sleep and make sure I'm getting at least a solid seven hours if I can get more of sleep a night. That's like really important. Then when I get up, I spend the first hour of my day, uh, if I can spend longer than that, really working on myself. I read, I meditate, I do breath work. So I'm really focused on me. I start the day with me. And then after that, um, you know, my staff from Monday through Thursday, well, will Monday through Friday midday, my team has um, me scheduled like pretty packed, but everything gets scheduled out. So like I have this podcast interview, my writing will then be scheduled, my YouTube videos are scheduled. So I have everything scheduled in the day. And then Friday at like six o'clock, I'm out again. Like I'm not doing work, I'm off screens. I'm back connecting with my family or, okay. you know, that. So I, ha I have boundaries around my work time. Then the, the other thing that I think has really helped me is Friday afternoon and all day Sunday is a don't don't invite me anywhere. Don't ask me to do anything like those every week are my go times for me. So if I want to sit on the couch and watch a Netflix series and binge watch that, I'll do that on Friday afternoon or Saturday or Sunday. But I'm, I'm very protective of those two times of the week. That is downtime. So I schedule my downtime. Saturday tends to be a little more with my family or we'll go do a social event with friends. But my given me time is Friday after 12 and all day Sunday. I don't schedule anything then. I love that. And the fact that you have boundaries around your evening, because it's so easy, isn't it, to be sucked in and just think, I'll just do a yeah. bit more. I'll just reply to this person or I'll just, you know, oh, just yeah. have a look at that. I'll squeeze another podcast guest in or, you know, yeah. it's, it's too easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have I have a really good assistant um, who is also really careful. Like we just the other day got an offer to speak on something on Sunday and she was like, do you want to do that? And I'm like, okay, yeah. So those are the kind, she knows where my edges or my boundaries are. And she really is there to make sure that I don't, you know, get into that workaholic mentality and just say, yeah, let's do everything. Cause that would be my natural nature to do. Yeah. Same here. But I think actually on, on what I found is you become less productive. Oh um, yeah. Don't you? That's oh, yeah. the thing. You become less productive. And you know how I know like I'm overscheduled is when I'm stuck in my midbrain, when I'm in my amygdala and I'm like just reacting to anything, you know, mm. somebody, some stress comes at me and now I'm like not my best self. I'm just agitated. I'm reacting. I go, okay, you are stuck in your midbrain. You're stuck in your midbrain because you've been overscheduled. So let me just calm my life down. Let me take a couple of days off, get myself back into my frontal lobe, which is the place of hope and possibility and logical thinking. So I, I love thinking about the neuroscience of how the brain works and then watching my own behavior and then really having an insight that, gosh, I don't really like how I'm behaving right now. And I can change that by taking some downtime. 
Or you do it through downtime. And if yeah. you had to do it in a minute, like what's your access point? Would it be breathing mm, or breathing? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Breathing mm. is great. Music. Um, uh, the chanting is really good. It helps stimulate. So like I'll put on some yoga chanting music where it's the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so yeah, but breathing, I used to do when my daughter lived at home, I used to do something called four, seven, eight breathing where I would pull into the driveway and I would sit in the driveway and I would do, um, four breaths in through the nose. Then you hold it for seven seconds and then you exhale for eight and it releases GABA. And I would do that so that I could come in anybody, you know, who has a teenager and it's boys and girls, but my daughter, you know, and I would go head to head and I would come in already in a GABA rich state. So anything she threw at me, any irritation that, you know, you know, those moments with teenagers mm -hmm. where you're like, how's your day? And they're like, why are you asking me that? You know, like those <laughs> moments, I would, I would already be loaded up with GABA through this four, seven, eight breathing. So I, I could be a better version of me in that moment. Yeah, that's so powerful, the four, seven, eight breathing. Yeah. And actually, uh, it re well, it, by its nature, it slows your breathing rate down so quickly as well. So it really yeah. engages that parasympathetic system, as you yeah. say. So that's yeah. a great hack. Oh, amazing. I feel like you've shared so much. This has been mm, um, a you. lot of fun. Thank you so much. Um, please link to everything, your book, your website, where can people find your YouTube channel? Um, and we'll put yeah. it all over in the show notes as well. Awesome. Please share Thank now. You. Where, where can people find you, Dr. Mindy? Yeah, people always ask me this and I'm like, I'm kind of everywhere. Um, so our website has everything on it. Um, and uh, my YouTube channel, you you know, you can go and see all the videos I've done on fasting over there. So if you're like wanting immediate like satisfaction, you can go get that. But the menopause reset will be out in uh, on April 6th. And I really designed that book to be a book that women could pick up and read in two days and apply right away. So, and then um, of course my website, we have, we have a, an academy where people, women come in and learn how to fast and learn the five principles. So you can come into that. There's a lot of resources, but the website will kind of guide you everywhere. Brilliant. I will link to all of that in the show notes and the thank book, you. which is just amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Angela. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As I mentioned at the beginning, all of the show notes and the transcript are over on my website, AngelaFosterPerformance.com forward slash podcast. Um, we are doing a giveaway each week at the moment with prizes to be given away for those of you that review the podcast. So if you can leave us a positive review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster. And one of you is going to be the lucky winner of Dr. Mindy's brand new book, The Menopause Reset. Get rid of your symptoms and feel like your younger self again. So make sure once you've done the review, you take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Angela S. Foster, and we will be picking the lucky winner and sending the book your way. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.